Well, Happy New Year. Oh, that was pretty good. Y'all are actually somewhat awake this morning. I love that. It is good to be here this morning. It feels a little weird to like, okay, we're gonna do a New Year's sermon today because it's New Year's. That's what we need to do. Uh, You know, there's plenty of titles out there I could have used when talking about it. We could have used any of the words that start with R-E, right? So renew, restart, refresh, rebuild, Rekindle, reborn, rebound, recharge, reconnect, redeem, restore, reflect. None of those are the title of my sermon today. We could have gone there, but we're not. But with none of these for the title, I do believe the passage we're looking at today should actually do all of these things that I just mentioned. It's not a New Year's message, but I believe that the fact that today is New Year's it should expound on the passage that we see. It should make this passage come to life for us. You see, when moving into new years, um, there's often a reflection on the previous year and a look towards the future, a hope. Maybe you've set a couple of New Year's resolutions. Any of you New Year's resolution people? Come on, I see. Okay, not many of you have some goals this year. That's okay. We can work on that. That's all right. That's okay. Um, Maybe you have some hopes for the coming year, at least. You might even have some trepidation or fear or stress for the coming year. But no matter how you feel about 2023, I believe the passage that we're gonna look at lays a foundation for us. And I'm excited because it will help give us hope and it will help give us direction. In this passage, we will discover who Jesus is. Now that seems surprising. You know, we've ta- been talking about who Jesus is all throughout the last month with the advent of Christ, but we're actually gonna look at his words, who he says he is, and this will help us to discover who we are in light of who Christ is. When we understand these two things, it should give us direction for the coming year. Oftentimes when we move into a new year, we try and figure out ways to manufacture our success or what we think might be success. Well, I don't think it's bad to set goals and that kind of thing. We should look for ways to step forward in our life. That's good. But we can't manufacture success. We have to look to Christ to give us guidance and direction in this coming year. So today we're gonna be looking at Luke chapter four. I'll give you a second to open up to that in your Bible. If you have it with you, it'll also be on the screen. We'll be in Luke chapter four, starting in verse 16, and we'll read through 21. And this passage really sets the stage uh, for the life and ministry of Jesus, especially as it's written um, in the book of Luke itself. So we're gonna start here in verse 16 says this, he came, that's Jesus, to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Now, before we continue to read the next part, I wanna set the scene for us a little bit. 
so at this point in time, it's early on in the ministry of Jesus. He had been baptized by John. He had been tempted in the wilderness and he had started to preach in Galilee and people were amazed by his words. So as he entered into his hometown and went on a Sabbath day, the people wanted to hear from Jesus, from the rabbi, the teacher that he was being called at that point. They wanted to hear a word from him. So Jesus has the opportunity to go into his own home church on the Sabbath day and to basically preach, to share a message. And this service would have usually started with the reading of the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter six. Then there would be a prescribed reading from the law. And then someone, today being Jesus in the passage that we read, would read from a prophet and then they would sit down and expound on that or teach on that particular passage. So Jesus is basically given the opportunity to preach a sermon in his home church on this day. So that's the scene we're looking at. And so this is what he reads. Verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this reading was a reading from Isaiah chapter 61, verses one and two. And this would have been a significant passage of hope for the Jewish people. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, for the Savior to come. And over and over throughout Isaiah, the Messiah is prophesied about. Specifically, one, this passage is one of those times. And so he reads this about the Messiah, the Savior, the one who is to come. Then we read verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were looking at him. He began by saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Now this is what you call a mic drop moment. <laughs> they were not expecting this. Here Jesus comes in, Jesus who they saw grow up and he comes in and reads from the prophet Isaiah and says, this is me. This has been fulfilled. If I were to come in here today and read from a revelation about the coming of Christ and then say, today this has been fulfilled. You'd think I was crazy, right? I'd be ran out of this place. You'd think I was nuts. Well, that was what's going on. Jesus comes into his home church and he says, today I am fulfilling this. This is me. I have come to do this. Now we could spend more time on the reaction of the people, um, but we're not gonna do that. We'll save that for another day maybe. But today I want us to look at the words of Jesus and see how he actually fulfilled these words. We're gonna look at how he fulfilled these words, both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. Jesus backed up the words that he said. You know, God had a plan set in motion from creation. His plan was for redemption, and that was all pointing towards Jesus. You see, he created us, humans, humans, 
And he created us unique and special, not as his puppets, but as people who could think and make decisions. And unfortunately, starting with Adam and Eve and every human since, since then, including us, we have fallen short of following God. We have made our own decisions. We have made ourselves our own king of our own lives and fallen short of God. And that has brought a separation between us and God. We see all throughout the Old Testament, this played out in the sin cycle of the Israelite people. They would turn to the idols and worship other gods. Then they would become separated from God. Then they would be enslaved by other nations or face difficulties. Then at that point, in their lowest point, they would turn to God and cry out to God. And then God would show up. He would provide redemption in some sort of way through the judges or, or different ways. God was always there showing up in their time of Need This all pointed to our need as humans for a savior. The prophets of the Old Testament spoke of the savior who was to come and who would come and make things right. The one who would provide ultimate salvation. At the time of this passage, the Jews were waiting for this savior to show up. Many in anticipation. You see, it had been over 400 years since they had heard from God through a prophet. There had been years of silence and they were waiting with anticipation for a savior to come and to save them and to make things right. You know, think about it. Kids, were you excited about Christmas this year? Come on, we got some kids in the room. Yes, I bet. I bet you were. I love Christmas Day, right? And on the night before, there's this anticipation. You're waiting, you're excited. You can't wait to see what is under the tree in the morning. Now think about this. We wait for that, you know, once a year we do that. They were waiting 400 years to hear from God of silence, of wondering, hoping, all the different feelings that might come from that. You know, I get a little impatient just waiting in a long line at Kroger, let alone 400 years for a savior to come when you're under Roman control and all these difficulties that they're facing. They were waiting for Jesus to come. They were waiting for a savior. And Jesus' arrival was the turning point in history. He was the one who came to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. So let's do this. I want us to first look at how Jesus fulfilled some of these prophecies that he spoke about, but specifically in a physical sense. So we're gonna read a few passages in Luke and one from Matthew that help us discover this. So in the passage, there's some describing words in Isaiah that uh, Jesus is in his reading of Isaiah that Jesus uses. The first being, he came to preach good news to the poor. Well, he didn't say, I'm gonna come make the poor rich, right? Uh, maybe sometimes when we read this, we think that's what's taking place here, but he's not, he's saying good news to the poor. He's bringing them hope. We see him Luke chapter six, verse 20 to 21, he preaches this, he proclaims this like he says he would do. He said, blessed are, are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Okay, so he does what he says he's gonna do in a physical sense. Um, I think, you know, as I look at this, I look even farther in Luke to Luke chapter 21, when we see the story of the widow who has the two coins, the widow's might, who she gives all to Christ. Do you think she believed that blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom? She did, she had heard that, proclaimed, she had received that and known that she had hope even in her physically poor state. Then he says, proclaim release to the captive. Some versions, maybe yours says, um, a prisoner released to the prisoner. And this refers to uh, providing a pardon for the forgiveness of a debt. So we don't actually see Jesus breaking people out of jail, um, but we do see him release people from their debt, give them forgiveness from their debt. You know, Matthew chapter nine, um, talks about the paralytic whose friends brought him, lowered him down through the house. And in that story, um, people start to doubt Jesus, start to ask in their own mind, they start to doubt Jesus. And he realized that he knows, what, he knows exactly what they're thinking. And he says this, for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, to forgive a debt. Then he told, he told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher and go home. So he got up and went home. He physically showed us what he could do spiritually. He physically fulfilled this prophecy. Then recovery of sight to the blind. He healed the physically blind in Luke chapter 18. The blind man was begging in the street, calling out to the Lord, help me, help me. And Jesus comes to him and heals him, gives him sight to be able to see. Set free the oppressed. Another word could be downtrodden is often used in reference to that. Those poorly treated, looked down on in society. Uh, most scholars equated this to the treatment of uh, people with leprosy at that time. People with, with this disease, they would have been outcast. They would have been out of the city, looking down upon, often looked at as unclean or even as sinners, that, like it's their fault that this took place. But in Luke chapter five, he heals a man Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And then in Luke chapter 17, he heals 10 men with leprosy. He comes to them in their unclean state and he heals them. He changes their status in society from being oppressed and downtrodden and looked down upon being healed and clean. They were back in society. He changed their placement. And then we see to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What we discover as we look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament, in the gospels, Jesus was the Lord's favor on us. And Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He proclaimed the goodness of God through his message and through his life. So overall, we see Jesus's ministry his life on earth, his physical life on earth shows us the power and the authority that he carried. Jesus was physically fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah that he read. He was showing everyone that he was the Messiah with his life. 
You know, it's one thing to say something, it's a whole nother thing to actually back up what you say, right? Like I could stand up here and say, you know, this new year, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna enter the NBA draft and I'm gonna become the best center in the league and I'm gonna win the national championship. Now that's crazy, right? There's no way I can back that up. I'm 5'4". Most of those guys are at least like a foot and a half taller than me. You know, like there's no chance. I can't back that up. But Jesus comes, he doesn't just say words, but he actually does what he says he's going to do. He backs it up in a physical sense, but this also shows us how he backs it up in a spiritual sense for us as well. The things that Jesus did while on earth were incredible, and they changed the momentary circumstances of many people that he interacted with. But he did not come just for that. He did not come just to change momentary circumstances. He came to change someone's eternity. He came to change our eternity, to change our status before God the Savior and give us hope. Now, when we look at this, this only happens because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He came, he lived a perfect life, he did what he said he was going to do, and then he gave his life for us. He took the punishment that we deserve, died on the cross, and then showing physically his power, his might, he rose again three days later. This is good news to the poor. This is what provides release to the captives of sin that entangles us and controls us. It opens the eyes of the blind to see their need for a savior. It changes the status of the oppressed to children of God and heirs in his kingdom. And it's the shining light of the Lord's favor in our life. This is the transforming power of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Jesus is the savior. Now that we discovered who Jesus is, we also must look at this and see who we are in light of this passage, in light of this story, because I think it's easy for us uh, to make a mistake when reading this passage. It's easy for us, if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, you've been following Jesus a long time and, and you've been in church and you do the things, you know, you do all the church things and stuff. It's easy for us when we read this passage to put ourselves in the seat of the Savior. Let me explain this. When reading this passage, Jesus says, he came for the poor, captive, blind, and oppressed. Do you picture yourself in this place? Or do you picture others in this place? You see, if you're just looking at other people, then you're acting just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that we see talked about in scripture. They look down on the people in these categories, 
But in reality, that is exactly where they stood. And the truth is, that's exactly where we all stand. We are the poor, we are the captive, we are the blind, we are the oppressed, and we need a savior. So let's do this. Let's look at this passage in the scripture and see what this looks like. The first was preach good news to the poor. And I love in Revelations chapter three, you don't have to turn there, but in Revelations chapter three, there's a letter written to the Laodiceans, um, my favorite letter in the book of Revelation. And he's writing to a group of people, to a church who is uh, well-to-do. They kind of have everything they need. They're a central trade hub. They have uh, textiles. They have special ointment salves. They have special things that, I mean, make them, they don't have to worry about life much. They're pretty well to do in society. And what Jesus says to them is that I know your works that they're neither hot nor cold. I wish they were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. He says this, it continues on. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You think you are wealthy, but you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, what we can do is we can get so comfortable in our life, comfortable with what we have and our wealth and, and not really have a care or a worry because of what we have, and we, what we don't realize is that we're ineffective for the kingdom of God because we're so comfortable. And what Jesus says is you are poor and you are blind. You must realize that first. Your physical wealth on this world does not last. Instead, he says, come to me. He says this, um, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. He says, come to me, I will refine you. Okay, so we realize that we are poor. And then he says, proclaim release to the captives. In John chapter eight, it says this, Jesus responded, there's a group of Jews that are asking questions of Jesus. And he responded, he said this, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Sounds like a captive, right? Someone who's held captive by that. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. On our own, we are captive, we are slaves to our sin, but Jesus came, he is the savior to set us free. Then recover sight to the blind is the next one. And you know, in the Revelation passage, it mentions that as well. It says that you're blind on your own. 
In Ephesians chapter eight, it also says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. I mean, this is a theme over and over and over, the darkness and the light, walking in the darkness, not knowing where to step. That's where we stand without Christ. But when he comes in, he shines the light. He gives us sight to see, gives us direction, gives us step, gives us hope. So we are blind without Christ. He came to set free the oppressed. No longer downtrodden, but heir an heir of the creator of the universe. Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven, it says this, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, no longer oppressed, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Your status has changed. No longer a slave, but now an heir of the creator of the universe. Jesus is the one who changes our status. Without Jesus, you and me are spiritually poor, spiritually captive, spiritually blind and spiritually oppressed. So I ask you this, do you have a relationship with Jesus today? If not, you can give your life to Christ today. You can, are you feeling the weight of this? Are you feeling spiritually poor, spiritually captive, spiritually blind, spiritually oppressed? If so, I encourage you to talk to someone today. Come find me at the end of the service. Find Pastor Nathan at the next steps. Find Pastor Kirk down here. We'll be around Pastor Dan over here. We would love to talk with you or just find a friend to talk to, someone you trust. But talk to someone about it, ask questions. There's nothing more important than giving your life to Christ. Now, if you do have a relationship with Jesus, let this be a reminder of the truth of the gospel. Let this be a reminder that you need a savior. Today, what I encourage you to do, what I've had to do as I've read this passage is to repent of your self-righteousness. And what ways have you been doing life on your own and not looking to Jesus as your guidance? You know, when we do this, when we try and do life on our own, it can give us an illusion of success when in reality, we're just like the Laodicean church, as mentioned earlier. Lukewarm and ineffective for the kingdom of God. We must humbly bring everything we are to Christ and let him refine us. This leads me to my last point. While we're not the hero of the story, in God's grace, he has called us to shine his light in this world. I'll say that again. While we're not the hero of the story, he has called us, me and you, to shine his light in this world. How many of you like superhero movies? Come on, anyone? We got some, yeah. You know, 
and some, there is a faithful sidekick, right? Maybe in a cheesy way, this feels really cheesy, but we're gonna say it anyways. In a cheesy way, you're God's faithful sidekick. He is the hero. He's the one that's done the work, but you come alongside him and you help. You shine his light to the world around us. When we humbly realize our standing with Christ, it should not push us down. It should not make us feel down about ourselves. It should actually give us hope and purpose. Jesus did all the work and we are called to proclaim his good news. We're called to tell people what he has done in our life. The realization of our sinful state should change the way we view the, the world around us. Just as we are poor, just as we are captive, just as we are blind, just as we are oppressed, we live in a city full of need that has people that are poor, that are captive, that are blind, and that are oppressed, both physically and spiritually speaking. Jesus, Jesus showed his power physically and at the same time met the spiritual needs of people and we're called to do the same thing. The people in this church have a monumental opportunity to make an incredible impact, a kingdom impact in this city by bringing the good news of Jesus. How can you do that? What's that look like? I think oftentimes when we say the church can make a big impact, we think about the church as an institution. Like Judson Baptist Church and the pastors and they're gonna do the work and make an impact. No, the church is not an institution, it's people. It's made up of me and you. So if the church is to make a monumental impact, it does not fall on the institution of the church, it falls on me and you. In what way can you change the city that we live in for the sake of the gospel? As we enter into the new year, I have two things that I wanna encourage you to do. It's simply this. The first thing, humbly reflect on the saving grace of Jesus in your life. Remember your need for a savior. Remember that you are poor and you are captive and you are blind and you're oppressed. Let his goodness enter into every aspect of your life and let it transform your goals for this year. Let it transform the way you look at what is to come this year. So that's the first, humbly reflect on the saving grace of Jesus. The second is pray that the Lord would open your eyes to the spiritual needs of our city. Ask him to give you humility and boldness and following where his spirit guides you. Because as you pray for him to open your eyes, he is the one that gives sight to the blind. So maybe you don't see it now, but he just might give you a little bit of sight to see the spiritual, the spiritually poor, captive, and oppressed in this city. And when you see that, 
Don't shove that down inside of you, but be bold to follow his calling. Okay, so the two things. I'm really reflect on the saving grace of Jesus in your life and pray that the Lord would open your eyes to the spiritual needs of this city and be bold in following him. I wanna pray for us as we continue. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you have saved us. You have changed our status. We humbly come before you and ask for forgiveness for our self-righteousness that we contend to fall into, Lord. We know that we are no better than anyone else. Lord, help us to see the spiritual needs of this city. Lord, give us each as individuals to be bold and shining your light into the dark places. Lord, help us to be bold in proclaiming hope for the poor. Lord, help us be bold in shining your light to the blind. Help us be bold in guiding the captive and oppressed to you who are entangled in sin. Lord, help us to guide them to your saving grace. And we ask that you give them freedom. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace that you have shown us today. Let that guide us as we continue and strive towards following you and taking next steps and following you in this coming year, Lord. It's your name we pray, amen.